Hello everyone, my name is Victor Wooten. I'm a musician and a human being. Join us with Dov on Curiosity Bites, because this is a good one. We're talking about everything, music, life, gender, nationality, culture. It won't all be comfortable, but it's all worth listening to. Don't miss this one. Stay tuned. Welcome back to our interview with the incomparable Victor Wooten. He's a lifetime Grammy Award winner and a heck of a lot more than that, as you're going to discover. Um, if you would like to join in this conversation, come on over to Facebook and join our Curiosity Bites group inside of Facebook. It's right there. And as I welcome you back, I want to remind you that our co-sponsor for this episode is the Awesome Music Project, connecting music, science, and story to enhance mental health. You can find out more about the Awesome Music Project and the AMP Foundation at theawesomemusicproject.com. All right, we're coming back with Victor Wooten, and we were talking about where he comes from, um, how he was brought up by six parents because he had four brothers who also were his parents. But the interesting thing was that they never sort of left him out and that he was always included. And I want to sort of go back in time a little bit because, um, I mean, there's, there's so much in here. We probably spent about eight hours talking here, but we just want to move into some things here because I, I, I want to come back to, like I said, you know, this is a different interview for you because it's not by a musician. It's not by somebody in the music industry, but it's somebody by certainly somebody who loves music. I grew up actually with soul music, with Motown and stacks and all those things. Um, so I'm going to call out a bunch of names. Um, and, and, uh, I'll, I'll call out all the names first and then you, we can come back and, and tell me which ones sort of stand out for you for whatever reasons, maybe there's a personal memory, maybe there's an influence, or maybe it's something else altogether. So, uh, you know, because the names that come to mind to me about who, who impacted me um, was uh, early on was people like Diana Ross and the Supremes, uh, Stevie Wonder, The Temptations, Papa Was a Rolling Stone, Gladys Knight and the Pips, uh, The Four Tops, Otis Redding, um, The Shy Lights, Al Green, Bill Withers, uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, James Brown, uh, George Bad Benson, as he was known back in those days, uh, Sly Stone, uh, and of course, Marvin Gaye, who, you know, what's going on is still one of my all-time favorite albums. Mm -hmm. With all those names, who, who, like, who pops to mind? Dove, you, I mean, you just pretty much... <laughs> laid out the soundtrack to my youth <laughs> yes mine too i'm a little yeah. older than you but mine too for sure yeah. well at that age that was just what it was okay meaning that's just the music i heard yeah i didn't totally understand how special it was um when i was five we my the five of us brothers were the opening band on a on a superfly tour for an artist named Curtis Mayfield. Curtis Mayfield, I mean, yeah. like, come on, the guy, the Superfly, yeah, pusher man, exactly. I mean, you know, like that was a theme for a movie for uh, about the McDonald's addictions, and yep. I mean, you know, Curtis Mayfield was insanely good. 
totally, totally. So the the really, the, I mean, I didn't really know how powerful of musicians that everybody you mentioned, Sly Stone, James Brown, how they were. I mean, I I I hear stories about when slaves were brought over and they sang songs to pretty much to stay alive, but that they also sang songs to to maintain their dignity, to maintain their power, their will to live. And these artists that you just mentioned all did the same thing. So you have to remember, and I know you do, what was going on for those artists mm -hmm. back in the 70s, yeah. uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, what they were facing, right? But, but all of a sudden now they're kind of bit allowed to, to get their music out. It, it's it's not forbidden anymore. Remember when when blacks first came over, their music was stripped from them. Yes, they couldn't play, they couldn't sing, you know. But now they're allowed to get it out, and so you have James Brown singing songs that are on the radio, saying, "Say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud." Yeah. What? Right. Marvin Gaye's brother comes back from the war, Vietnam War, and tells him what was going on over there, and so Marvin writes this song that's still a hit today what's going on it still so, makes me cry yeah yeah and, and then all of a sudden you know you can have a diana ross and the supremes or other females aretha franklin all of a sudden giving women power you know i mean it's powerful stuff and again for me i'm a kid it's just what it was but the same way you can take a vitamin and you just swallow it. You go about your day. You don't wish the vitamin's going to do what it does. You don't even know what it's doing. But that vitamin starts to do its work. It's like planting a seed. You water it and you go about your day. And it's doing stuff under the surface. All of this music, for not only me, but it's like planting seeds. It's, you know, and so all of a sudden when I'm writing music, all of those seeds have been planted. Mm. And I can't, it's hard for me to write a song that's not talking about anything. Right. It's hard for me to write a song, an instrumental song that's not talking about anything. Of course. It's hard for me to do it because of what I was brought up on. And now we just mentioned black, pretty, pretty much black music. Yes. But there was white music doing the same thing. And I hate mm. to even separate the two, but we did back then. Sure. But even though a, a lot of the white music, if not all of it, now they were, the, uh, both sides of the music, if you can put it that way, were aware of each other. Yes. Even when they weren't allowed to walk across the hall and shake each other's hands, the Beatles knew what was going on with Little Richard, James Brown, right? Well, the, the Lennon and McCartney both talked about how influenced they were with, quote, black music. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, when we look at people like Elvis, Elvis is the white embodiment of Chuck Berry. You know, I mean, rock and roll was stolen from Chuck, in my opinion, stolen from Chuck Berry and, and made palatable by Elvis Presley. Right. Um, you know, you want to talk about the hips? Well, go watch any old video. Yeah. of Chuck Berry. I mean, even rap, you know, it was only made acceptable initially in, and moved over into the white world through Eminem. 
and I think that's kind of a sad thing. It's like we need a yeah. white guy to to bring us black music. Come on, aren't well, we that, past that? That, that story has been repeated over and over. Yeah. Um. But it hasn't it hasn't robbed black people of their dignity and of their soul. Um. So Not please talk to us about that, Victor, because that to me is a very interesting piece because you had said that music is dignity. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. And, and I want to tie it into a couple of things you just spoke about, because here's the thing for me. It's my bias. I own my bias. My bias is to this day, I have, as you probably are aware, I have lots of people of many colors who are my friends. Mm -hmm. And I traveled the world to study different religions and religious philosophies. And I'm never more blown away by the idea, again, my bias, by the idea of black Christian people. It blows my mind, totally blows my mind, because there's a wonderful quote, and I'm trying to remember who it's by. I think maybe it was by Des. No, it wasn't. It was, it's way back. And it says that when the British came to Africa, they had the Bible and we had the land. When the British left, they, we had the Bible and they had the land. And the, the Bible was used, religion, particularly Christian religion, was used to manipulate black people. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, black people are in church praising a white Jesus mm -hmm. who never existed. Um, even if you believe in Jesus, there was definitely no white Jesus, certainly mm -hmm. a blonde-haired, blue-eyed one uh, from the Middle East. Right. So... It's, it's amazing to me, and, and the, each of those people who were brought over as slaves had their own faith, had their own, uh, in many cases, pantheistic religion. You know, they were connected to the, to the land and the animals and all those amazing things, and they had these amazing tribal songs. I love African music. Mm -hmm. um, uh, just some of my favorite music is, is African. Af uh, just, um, anyway, we can go into that later, but they you know they each of those songs brought with it that pantheistic religion which again as you said was stripped away from them they're taught to sing boring old hymns um uh, which couldn't be more dry mm -hmm. um they came from england let's face it uh, <laughs> um and it's you know i often wonder what happened there because i look at places like um even Central America and South America, we know that the conquistadors came in and what they did was they tore down the temples, the Mayan temples, and they built churches on top of them because they understood the resonance of the place, that people would still go to that place. And we understand that um, even in, in England where they uh, did this similar thing, the, the, the goddess language became Virgin Mary. Do you, do you see that? Was that, is it incongruence? Tell me what you see. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. There is a lot of what we might say brainwashing, I guess, mm -hmm. going on. But if you take a diamond, you know, and a diamond that you find in the ground will, will seem imperfect or whatever, but whatever, a diamond is, is known as a precious jewel. You can cover that diamond with mud, dirt, tar, whatever you want for as long as you want. It's still a diamond in its center, mm -hmm. right? So 
it doesn't change the 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 purity of who we are even when we think it does mm -hmm. so a bit and and again i don't have these answers and i'm not even going to act like i do but i will tell you what i think sure um as a culture people have to survive uh choose choose to survive yes right and so you will you might choose to go along in order for survival mm -hmm. in order for survival yeah i will wear a suit even though i'm uncomfortable to get this job mm -hmm. right? and there are a lot of african americans or black people whatever you want to call them because not all black people are from africa so you there are a lot that that have forgotten who they are whether that makes them not who they are is is a question maybe i'm curious about that there you go that's it let's put a let's put a little pin in that one mm -hmm. so just because you've forgotten who you are it doesn't mean you've stopped being who you are well you it might have mean... stopped being who you are but it doesn't mean you aren't who you are in other words i mean being meaning acting like acting like yeah but who you are in essence has never gone away even no. if you have amnesia even if you have soul amnesia right right exactly we are still that so there is a inherent part of our dna and there are many people for lack of a better phrase know the truth it's still not comfortable to to talk the truth to preach the truth but what I urge everyone to do is to go to a pure black church, uh, per preferably in the South, and tell me what, you don't even have to tell me, just experience what you feel, mm -hmm. all right? And, and not as a, well, as a comparison, and then go to a white church where they might be preaching about the same white Jesus and tell me what you feel. Yeah. Okay. Now we may be saying the same things, but what you feel in these two different places, not that one is better, not that one is worse, but you will feel a difference and you'll go, wow, they're preaching from the same Bible, but there's a difference, right? So more than what we say, more than the notes I play on my bass, and you can play the same notes. They're going to come out different. But definitely if I'm playing, they will. <laughs> <laughs> and not that I'm not even saying that one is better, one is right, one is wrong, one is worse. There is a difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, overall, we are human beings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, science is saying that we all came from the same place. Africa. Yeah. <laughs> Just to point it out to every whitey, including yeah. me, Africa. We're all yeah. African. Yeah. Um, that's what science says. I'm not a scientist, so I'm just going to listen to what they say. Okay. Hey, but, now you know you shouldn't listen to those scientists. <laughs> you want to keep you safe. I, but there are, we, are, we are different. Yeah. All right? And I hear a lot of people say, well, I'm colorblind, blah, blah, blah. No, you're not. 
Don't even act like you are. It's not about ignoring the differences. It's about accepting them, recognizing and accepting them, like in a band, right? A band is better when all the instruments are different. Yes. I I played a bass. I'm not a saxophone. I'm not going to try to act like one. I'm not a piano. No need to act like one. I can learn from them. Sure. But I'm supposed to play with them, right? That's why there's only one bass in the band. We don't need two. Every instrument is different, and we celebrate that. We recognize it, and the band's better because of it. The world could be better because of our differences, too, if we treat it like a band and work together, where no one wins unless we all win, all right? Mm-hmm. So, but back to your question, yes. Uh, every, every indigenous culture that has been inherited by, or, or whatever the word is, by a European country. It's very nice way of putting it. <laughs> has inherited. been inherited. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, let's inherit you. We'll yeah, put you yeah. on ships and chain you up. Exactly. You're just inherited. We call it adoption where we're from. Yeah, okay. Right. right. We're going to adopt some Africans. Right. We're going to be no. the Angelina Jolie of nations. Right. <laughs> I'm being as <laughs> so- soft as I can. Yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the cultures have been stripped away. The yeah. beliefs, not allowed to sing your songs. Mm-hmm. Your your language has to change. You have to lose your religion. Um, but you can't erase completely what things inherently are, right? And mm-hmm. there are a lot of inherent things. We're all human. We come from the same place. We're all different. Too at the same time, so life is life on Earth anyway is about opposites, right? Right. You can't have this without that, right? Right. So we are all the same and different, mm-hmm. and I believe we're supposed to recognize both, right? Even though we're all humans, we each have an individual fingerprint that's never been on the planet before, and right. won't be here again. Right. And I don't look at mine and say, "Man, I like yours better." I want yours. I recognize that I've got mine. Right. Right. That put to me that levels us out. We're all equal, but mm-hmm. we're different. Right. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not going totally deep into that that question. But yes, for the most part, we have been trained to pray to a white, blue eyed, blonde haired Jesus or maybe even slightly darker hair, not skin, hair in some pictures. Right. You know, and I do me personally, I uh, I believe that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Right, that, that makes zero sense, and I don't know how it can make sense to anyone. But regardless of the image, what is the reality of what we're going for? There's a spiritual thing, and Absolutely. black people, for to an extent, can look past the image, and hopefully can search back to the reality of what the image is representing, and the image is representing something that's false too, in a lot of regular. Christian, I'll just say Christian theology, philosophy. There's a lot of things in my mind that make zero sense, right? Yeah. But I can get past that. And and to go back a little further, our parents were of that. Yes. You know, we can learn from the stories and don't have to argue over whether it was true or real, or, or it really happened or if the story was told accurately, there's still a lesson that we can grow from. And in the end, it's who am I in response to that? 
Yeah. Regardless of what story they told me, it comes down to who am I. And we had our parents to steer us. Us brothers had our parents to steer us in a certain direction. Well, that's why I was asking you about that, Victor, because, you know, you talked about your parents being, uh, what do you call it, primitive Baptists? Primitive Baptists, yes. Primitive Baptists, which is pretty restrictive. Um, I know because um, I'm married to somebody whose father was, was a minister in the faith. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and she's not that, but that's where she came from. And, you know, the, the singing, dancing, making a noise, all those, not okay. Um, and she's, you know, I'm married to a brown girl. So it's not like, um, it's not like, oh, you know, she was a good white girl. So it was, it, it's, it's fascinating to me because in all my studies of religion and religious philosophy, and people have asked me many times, you know, which do you think is the, the true religion? And I said, the religion of the religion of love and compassion and curiosity for me is, you know, uh, and, and I find those threads in each of those faiths. And I, uh, one of the books in my head that I promised to write before I die at some point, I have to live a long, long life just to get them out, but it's called the metaphorical Bible. And the metaphorical Bible is taking biblical stories and saying, these are metaphors. And what is the metaphor? Because if we look them at metaphors, they're beautiful. They're magnificent. It's not about a guy or, or a gal, but a metaphor of understanding that if Jesus can wash the feet uh, of the, of the, you know, of the leper, of the tax collector, of the, the you know, the, the worst of the worst, then there's a great lesson for us, whether he's a white guy, a brown guy, a black guy, or a giant or, or, or butcher baker, candlestick maker. So I think you're absolutely right. But it's interesting to me that you have parents who grew up as these, quote, primitive Baptists. But it seems, from my listening, it seems like their religion was music. And I find that particularly fascinating because your mom and dad were not musicians, right? No. So that is in, so amazing to me that they somehow got that, that you're born a bassist, as in, oh, we need a bassist for the band. Okay, Victor's arrived. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's popped out. Okay, give him a bass guitar instead of a soother. It's fascinating to me. Do you, want, do you know what that is? Have you had that conversation with mom and dad? Why they went down that road? Well, um, it, they went down the road because my brothers went down it, and they just helped steer it. Okay. My brothers were also really good at sports. So my parents let them do sports, right? My parents weren't so concerned into what we did. They were more concerned with who we are, who we were. And they knew if they could steer and develop who we were, whatever we did would be fine. So it wasn't that they were really into music, even though they were. Mm -hmm. Every Sunday we heard Mahalia Jackson records. My dad used to listen to the Grand Ole Opry on the on uh, on the radio on the weekend. So you know they were in the music, but they didn't play because their church didn't even allow instruments. No. But mom and dad both loved to sing. But when we found music, they just really uh, fostered it, provided the atmosphere to where the where we could grow into it. But more than the music, again, it wasn't. They're concerned what we did, but who we were. 
and that was more their thing. And so they would teach through religion, but they would also teach through the metaphors of it. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't have to say, oh, this really happened. The waters really parted. This happened. But what are the stories teaching us? Yes. And it was really, really simple in the end is that we just had to be honest and do our best, be good people. It really came down to that thing, the way I understand it. You know, mom said, no one has to know you're wrong for you to be wrong. Right? You know. Right? And you don't have to prove you're right to be right. If you believe you're right, you don't have to prove it. The person trying to prove it doesn't believe in himself as much as the person who's confident. You know, it's these kind of things that any Bible doesn't matter. These are just life principles. So they were more into life. But their life was governed by something you know and and it Ooh. and it was a it was god sure right? and, in, in the greater and, sense yeah but reggie is the oldest right reggie. yeah mm -hmm. so did did reggie find music on his own initially do you know from what i hear so reggie's born in reggie's born uh october 23rd the next october 13th 10 days shy of a year, Roy is born, okay? The next November 13th, a year and a month, Rudy's born. So there's three kids in two years. Mm -hmm. From the way I hear the story, they kind of found music together. Oh. And then after Rudy's born, three years later, Joseph's born. Soon after that, my three older brothers are already getting into music. They start teaching, Reggie starts teaching Joseph to play some key keyboards. Three years after Joseph, I've, I'm born. Mm -hmm. By that time, they've got a four-piece band. They know what's missing, or Reggie at least knows what's missing. I start playing bass. Reggie starts teaching me to play bass. But uh, Reggie, Roy, and Rudy, from the way I hear the story, found music at the same time. But that's the real curious question, because people know how I learned. I was born into it. But how they learn and what 10-year-old boy can get his 2-year-old brother and 5-year-old brother good enough in a few short years that we're on a major tour, that's the real story. That, that, that for me, is just mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you went out on that tour supporting Curtis Mayfield, who was at that time, even then, a major Absolutely. You know, headliner. How, do you know how that happened? We were playing uh, gigs already as, as the Wooten brothers. As we, in like wedding gigs or yep. real gigs? Weddings at the, at the military bases, at the officers clubs, <laughs> uh, high schools, and, and just around, around sure. Sacramento, California. Right. And somebody who worked with Curtis Mayfield saw us and got us on a gig opening. And all of a sudden, you know, we, we get to do a big portion of the tour on the West Coast. Yeah. Did your mom and dad go with you guys? Oh, oh, 100%. We yeah. didn't play a gig if they weren't there. No, I can't imagine, right? Because yeah. So here's the thing, because it brings me to a piece that actually I plan to bring up later, but a lot of kids who grow up um, in performance are, shall we say, up. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> uh, they, they don't have schooling properly. They don't learn to socialize properly. Uh, they don't learn interactive skills very well, social interactive skills. They are pedestalized very early on. They become little dicks. I mean, you know, there, there's yeah. a lot of challenges with that and end up in drugs and alcohol and substance of all kinds, uh, as well as not being very well socialized or very well educated. And, and sometimes the, there, are, there is a parent right by the side. Joe Jackson is an example, mm -hmm. but that was horrendous. I mean, Joe Jackson, I mean, Michael's problems and the family's problems have a lot to do with their dad and what it was. You seem to have this mom and dad who were very insanely grounded um, and very differently than others who didn't like, I, I, it's hard for me to imagine in that time, those people who've grown up in insane amounts of racism, who now have children who are performing, who are getting accolades, who are getting recognition. It's very, it's really fascinating for me that they were not seduced. Yeah. In, in by that quote fame of their children um, to feeling, I, I would totally understand them feeling better because you're, you know, you, you look down so hard for so long. Yeah. Well, we, us brothers, we know that we had special parents mm -hmm. and what makes them different than any other parents of successful kids. I don't really know. Um, but I do know my mom always said you will you will either raise your kids or wish you had mm. and and she was about raising us right and so she didn't have to wish that she had done it later for whatever reason especially my mom didn't really mm -hmm. care what we did she cared more who we well I, I can't say that of course she did but she really cared more who we were yeah and she knew that if she could her and dad could, could really help us shape who we were. They didn't have to worry about what we did after that. So none of my brothers drink, smoke, or curse. So me looking up to my four older brothers, I've never drank, smoked, or curse, right? And I'm not, I don't really think any of those are bad in moderation. No. I just chose not to do it. But how parents right. get five boys to do that? But the other thing is this. I owe it, I owe, I attribute some of it possibly to a lot of non-successes. In other words, back in the, I share a story I don't share much. Back when we were opening for Curtis Mayfield, Curtis loved us. Curtis Mayfield was going to discover the Wooten brothers. Right. Right. We're living in California. Mm -hmm. Five boys that not only sing, we're playing all the music too. Right. So we're actually in the studio about starting to make a record, you know, and, and there's studio musicians helping us out. And I can sure. barely remember a little bit of this, but all of a sudden everything ends. And this, I don't remember at all, but everything ends. And as I'm getting older and we're living in Virginia now and I'm getting in junior high, high school and, and I remember some of the Curtis Mayfield days faintly. And I remember mm. a little bit because my brothers continue to talk about it. Sure. But maybe in my late teens, I find out that our Curtis Mayfield 
record discovery, record deal discovery, you know, ended because somebody said, we already have a group of five brothers in California. We don't need five. Yeah. So ours got canceled. That was probably a good thing. Mm. Right. So we can blame Joe Jackson or anybody. And when we do, it's hard to look at the things he did right. Of course. Right. So nothing is absolute. When I look at, because we don't, we don't know unless we've had it, how all of a sudden fame and money coming from the ghetto. Yeah. How it's going to make us think. Uh huh. I don't know. And a lot of dads are strict anyway. Sure. So add fame and money and start them to that. Hmm. I don't know. And then Hmm. nine kids. You know, the Jacksons had, I think it's six bro, six boys and three girls. Similar, yeah. You know, so who, I don't know how that would make even my parents think if we all of a sudden had that. Mm-hmm. And then we're moving from, from uh, making, oh, no, no, that James Brown was making Georgia. They were from Gary, Indiana, yep. moving from there to wherever, Detroit, Motown, and then Cal- What? who knows? Yep. So we had, that was the first one that I know about was the Curtis mm. Mayfield one. We had at least two more, three more rather. Really? Almost. Remember Don Kirshner's rock concert? Do you remember that TV show back in the seventies? Don Kirshner sent two people to our house. He was going to discover the Wooten brothers. That one fell through. A great singer who made her uh, debut on Broadway as Dorothy in The Wiz, the black version of The Wizard of Oz, Stephanie Mills. Mm-hmm. She discovers us because we open a show for her. Whoa, she's the next Diana Ross going to discover the Wooten brothers. That fell through. All of a sudden, a few years later, her keyboard player becomes a big-time producer, producing George Benson, Whitney Houston's first record. So this guy's producing Whitney Houston's first record. He's producing a record for Kenny G, and he's a produce, He's producing a record for the Wooten Brothers, for Arista Records, big time producer. Yeah. My brothers Roy and Joseph, they're actually on Whitney Houston's first record and some early Kenny G records. But our thing fell through again. So a bunch of failures, a bunch of failures. But How old were you in those, even in those latter ones? The latter one, it was 81, so I was 11th grade. So I'm, what, 16, 17? Well, you, Last did, you, one. did you feel the disappointment of that? Oh, yeah. Oh, every one. Oh, really? I don't remember the first one with Curtis. No, I can't imagine you do. But every other one I totally remember. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's, I don't know that there's much that's more devastating than pulling the rug away from somebody. Yeah, yeah, especially when all your peers are knowing, are hearing about it. I mean, Stephanie Mills pulls up in front of our house in her tour bus and the whole neighborhood's outside and, you know, boy, you feel good and, you know, and all that. And now they're, you know, what, the Wooten Brothers have a record deal with Arista, blah, blah, blah. And then it doesn't happen. You got to be strong to uplift that and see what your friends are talking about and making fun of you and blah, blah, blah. You have to know who you are. But fortunately, I, my home life spoke louder than my outside life. You know, wow. I was just lucky. But but to go back, I don't know how my parents would have 
feared how would have would have maintained if we had had that success the Jackson Five had at that early age. That's that's an interesting insight, Victor. No. Thank you, thank you for that. Again, it brings us back to compassion and curiosity, which are, sure. I believe, are vitally important pieces. We got to take another break. We've right. come to the end of this particular part of the show um, with five-time Grammy Award-winning Victor Wooten. Um, I would highly recommend that you go on YouTube, find out more about Victor and just see him play. It's amazing. Um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how a song he did that's on YouTube that uh, is, has a very big um, meaning for me. When we come back, we're going to take a minute and we'll see you on the other side. <laughs> 